Welcome back to the castle. This is the Ghost of Doctor podcast. I'm your co-host, Kurt Roper, and with me is your other co-host, uh, Clint Roper. And today, well, today we're just uh, enjoying a nice uh, a nice evening alone in the castle, like always. Yeah, it's really cold uh, this time of year. Uh, I've, to- I've been told the summer lasts uh, about uh, five to six hours. And it's super great. Everybody goes out and they barbecue the villagers. I think they roast some sort of a Clydesdale or something. It's it's supposedly pretty delicious. But yeah, I think that's a delicacy in other countries. Um, but, you know, to keep our minds off the cold, we've decided to uh, talk a little bit today about horror. Yeah, we talk about horror, which is always what we talk about. But here's the thing. Last time I led, and this time Kurt's leading, so I have n- I have an idea of what the topic is about, but I have no fucking clue which way we're going with it. All right, well, it's going to be real simple. Ready? Children's horror. Children's art. Right? Like the horror of having children. <laughs> my finances. <laughs> yeah, my finances. I got to get insurance. Yeah, insurance is a big one. The real terror of having a kid is when your child is born, you're like, oh, shit, I'm going to die. And how that, make, that makes sense in some sort of weird human way. You're like, oh, life is happening. Oh, life ends. Oh, my life is going to end. Oh. <laughs> got to make this one life that I'm making better than mine was. Um, That's right. All right. Uh, so I thought I'd start with, I don't know uh, which way you're going to come at this topic, but I thought we'd start with, uh, of course, books. Oh, books. Yeah. We're literate. Yeah. We read sometimes. Yeah. Hey, we try to talk a lot about movies uh, and television shows and things like that that are horror, but hey, uh, a lot of people forget horror exists in books, and some would argue it existed first in books. Yeah. <laughs> Those dumb motherfuckers. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. All right. Um, so, I think we can both agree. Wait, I, go ahead. I'll, I'll ask you. I'll ask you where you think. Okay. Children's horror. As you see it, where is its uh, origin? Oh, its origin. Uh, I guess uh, you would go with like the fairy tales, like Grimm's fairy tales. Fantastic. Yeah. That's the, that's pretty much what where it is. Grimm's fair, yeah. The uh, Kindle und Hausmärchen. Yeah, that the Kindle, the Kindle. <laughs> yeah, the Kindle. Yes, you read some on a Kindle. Yeah, I read it on a Kindle. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I think um, we also uh, in America we have a person called Washington uh, Irving, who did a lot. Very just a little bit after that. Um, he wrote in a very simplistic style. Didn't I don't he, know if he wrote for children is the thing. Didn't he write Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow? He did. That's a very good point. You make a good point. He wrote Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow <laughs> with Ichabod Crane and all that. Yeah. Even though, let's face it, um, in the original animation, uh, Ichabod's not much of a hero. That's kind of the point. No, I've read I've read Sleepy Hollow. In fact, I have it. Um and my favorite part is when uh, when you're reading, and it seems like it's really, really, really descriptive, but all of a sudden, Bing Crosby starts singing. That went right over my head. I don't. <laughs> That's the the original animation. Uh, is a Bing Crosby Halloween uh, like uh, seasonal song, like musical. Like I he, had no idea. Yeah, he does. He sing, He sings like about it. About he narrates it. Bing Crosby. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're learning stuff. We're learning stuff together. 
well, I'm learning stuff. Um, so yeah, fairy tales, Grimm's brother. Um, we have folk tales and also in America, and that's kind of what Washington Irving takes and writes down a bunch of stories also. So it's very similar, right? That's our American version of the Grimm brothers is unfortunately Washington Irving, which is, yeah, yeah, it's problematic, but he had, he did do some things. All right. Um, that's lasted. But what I'd like to say is that is a very specific type of children's horror. It's not what I would call, and we'll get into this later, gateway horror, which is when you come into talking about children's horror movies, you're going to get into gateway horror. Right. Well, this is what I thought we were going to be talking about, which is like... Oh, we're going to talk about it. Horror for kids as a jumping off point to get them interested in horror. That is, that's what we're going to talk about. Well, good. But I thought it would be interesting to, to mention the differences between... Uh, literary like uh literature uh, where it is and and movies i thought that'd be interesting because there's a moral center to children's stories usually in children's horror when it's written down oh that's a good point and that definitely stems from like folk tales and or more like the Fairy the, uh, the brother Gr- brothers grim yeah uh yeah okay well, let's think of some though real quick just just as an example something wicked this way comes ray bradbury which is my favorite Right, um, there's obviously the kid. The kids sneak out at night. They go. They go see a show. You know, it's all very like something they shouldn't be doing, and it comes back to haunt them and bite them in, in the butt. Oh, even though they're their heroes, technically still too. It, I'm going to tell you something. If you like, if you like horror and you're not adverse to reading, um, <clears throat> you know, you're gonna you're gonna want to write down some of the things we're talking about today because I'm. I'm so happy you mentioned something wicked this way comes. Uh, and, and, and yes, it has a moral. You know what else has a moral and is a fantastic uh, children's book uh, written by um, Clive Barker? What? The Thief of Always. I thought you'd mention The Thief of Always. I have personally never read it myself. But I, I mean, when I think about children's horror, I think of two books. It's really like a horror version of Peter Pan. Kind of, where these you, you yeah, so it's like a Neverland type scenario where Neverland is dastardly, and uh, it's more complicated than that. It's way darker than most of the kids' books you're going to read. Um, and if you're like me, you read a lot of kids' books, so yeah, because yeah, they're I, the ones with the pictures. Yeah, cool. Well, depending on how you view the history of uh, the writer of Peter Pan, that's a horror story too. But okay, yeah. um, to be fair, Ray Bradbury and you you said you mentioned Clive Barker with the Thief of Always, Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes, and then of course the Halloween Tree. The Halloween Tree. Those are the two big ones in my mind as far as like just, just things I read as. And I'm not going to count something like Goosebumps. Was R.L. Stein was great growing up. It hit at the right time. You remember we were forced to go to like uh, those Scholastic book club fairs. Yeah, the book fairs. Yeah. What were you going to do? You going to stay at, in in class? No. Even if you didn't have money, you would walk around and browse books you couldn't afford. Yeah, and we didn't have money. Yeah, every now and then we'd have some money. Yeah, I had. I remember specifically one year I had money, and I bought a book, uh, a Goosebumps book, and uh, I let someone see it in the class. This was fourth grade, and that student wrote property of his name on the book and then tried to pretend like I didn't give it to him, and like it was a whole thing. And I had to tell the teacher, and I felt like a real narc, but I got my book. Do you remember which book it was? 
Yeah. Oh man, it's the one with the where the superhero is like the is evil. Oh um, yeah. Um, it's like a, it's really it's not a good. It's not one. Of, there is some ghost. There is some goosebump books out there that that you can look back on and be like that was pre- that was okay. Um, but there are some that are just just awful. Like, that you're like oh he need to he need to pay the rent. Yeah, the goosebump books are definitely different than than um, Ray Bradbury or Clive Barker's books. Yeah, if you look at if you look at the later series of Goosebump books, and you turn to the dedication section, it'll say like, "This is for my yacht. I dedicate this one to my co- kids' college fund." Earl <laughs> Stein, he he raked it in. Yeah, at one point he was actually one of the like top ten paid writers in the country. I, I let me see if I can guess some of the others. Uh, Stephen King? Yeah, probably, I'd say. Uh, and then another one I would probably say James Patterson. Yeah, that's that's an easy one. Yeah, James Patterson. Hey, I have a theory that James Patterson hides under his ed- uh, his publisher's desk, and when someone puts a new uh, manuscript down and they read it and they like it, he just his, little, his arm comes out from under the desk and he stamps a little and with James Patterson, co-written by James Patterson stamp on it, and then they uh, they publish it. I Yeah, that could be possibly the case. Goosebumps though is different because it I mean sometimes it but mostly it's it's meant to appeal to children in the first person but it is more gateway horror mm-hmm. so it's a good but I have a we, we I don't know if we could, could get into this I actually have a problem with school scholastic publications just the idea of it existing um because you know the things that it has brought to children it's important it's a very important what it has done I mean it has brought some really good book series yes Goosebumps. Yeah. To a much, 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 much lesser extent, Animorphs. <laughs> okay. Look, we, we, okay, so we're getting uh, we're getting a little off the rails, but that's okay. Uh, before we go too far into talking about gateway horror, because we're kind of trying to – it looks like we're segueing it. Before we get away from Ray Bradbury, there's something that needs to be mentioned. If you're a horror fan and you're a kid or you – I mean you were a kid uh, and a Everybody's certain, been a kid. In a certain time period – let me finish – like in the in a certain time period during the EC Comics heyday or like the rediscovery of EC Comics, that's like, you know, the Tales from the Crypt comics or, you know, those type of comics. Uh, the horror host uh, uh, anthology, horror anthology comics done by EC Comics, a lot of those were written uh, based on Ray Bradbury stories. So Ray that's Bradbury's had a huge effect on introducing kids to horror. Yeah, and that was a time when I don't I know people are like, well, comic books aren't only for that's a time when comic books were basically for kids. Yeah, I agree. In fact, the it was a huge issue because of the content of some of those horror comics and the fact that so many kids were reading them. And you get one of those things where, you know, you get the moralistic holier than thou, uh, I'm an arbiter of all that is uh, good and I'm gonna tell you how to raise your children, people. They won't shut the fuck up. And they, <clears throat> you know, they come up every now and then. But, uh, and they like to ruin horror specifically. They like to ruin horror. Well, that's the thing I, I, I found during, I did a little bit of research on this. I didn't go too crazy. Um, I'm not working too hard, you know, um, on it. But children, because this is a good segue back to get gateway horror. When it comes to children's stories and the books that have been written that are horror for children specifically, children seem to prefer the actual harder hitting, scarier stuff than the the kid gloves. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Okay, but okay, so like here's an, here's an interesting point. When I was a kid, I didn't just read 
because I because I read a lot and I didn't just read things like Ray Bradbury or the kids books. There are things kind of generally uh, pushed towards kids like Goosebumps and things like that that were horror stories. I also read Stephen King short stories because we had a lot of those paperbacks just lying around that had been uh, our dad's or our grandmother's or something. So we would read those. And so I was exposed at a very young age to genuinely terrifying shit. And I loved it. Like that was, and movies too, obviously. Yeah. Like when was the, what was the first movie you remember scaring the shit out of you? And I bet it's the same one for me uh, when you were a kid. What gave you nightmares? All right, it was uh, The Exorcist, and I think that's going to be the story for a lot of people because I think we just happen, especially our age, people just happen that, – that movie was just kind of like – every now and then people show that to their children at the perfect age of seven, maybe a little younger. You know? <laughs> I don't think that's typical, but um, I wa- we, we, we watched it at five. I think it's typical in the horror community. I think that's pretty like – I think that people are going to uh, relate to that. Yeah, I remember it was like – I watched The Exorcist, and then I had nightmares for a week, and then I didn't have nightmares ever again about a movie. Yeah, it was great, right? It was nice. Um, That's I w- not necessarily true. I'm pretty sure Jacob's Ladder might have fucked me up a little bit, because I was maybe 10. Yeah, Jacob's Ladder's great. Uh, that movie's so great. Um, but we won't, we're not talking about Jacob's Ladder. We're not talking. We um, will talk about Jacob's Ladder at some point. If you haven't seen Jacob's Ladder, watch it before yeah, we talk about it, so exactly. that you can be part of the conversation. Anyway, um, so yeah, going back to Gateway though, yeah, that you're right. We watched The Exorcist, and I remember being read as a young kid. My cousin would read us uh, bedtime stories, but she'd read uh, Stephen King's The Boogeyman, like one of the short stories, you know. And uh, that one, that one was was pretty scary, but I never had any nightmares from it, so. Oh, yeah, that one's specifically great to read to kids because it's like... It's about the death of children. It's about the death of children because the boogeyman comes, like, at night while they're out of their closet. You know, the, the classic boogeyman and, uh, and murders fantastic. them. fantastic. Stephen King's short stories, like, I like Stephen King's books. They're long. He is a really good short story writer. Like, he may be the best short story writer ever. Like, his... He's prolific for his novels. I think his short story collections are some of the best, like horror literature out there. Yes. Well, some of his short stories that aren't horror are some of the best out there, in my opinion. It's just really good stuff. He's a great writer. He's a prolific writer. Um, before we get okay, so so I, is there? A, I, That's it. I, Gateway horror. That's where we're going. You, okay. You knew it. I had to lead you off the trail a little bit. There's a couple of things I want to say because I did a little. I did a little of my own research. Um, my kids, my I have a sister who bought likes to buy like crazy books for my kids, the craziest kids books that they she could find. One, you know, one of the things she bought was uh, was something called uh, the is it the gas ghastly crumb tinnies? It's, it's let me see grim grim. I'm gonna I'm gonna look. I'm gonna cheat. You hear rustling of paper. You know what? If you hear the rustling of paper, that's the wind blowing a. It's paper around in the in the castle. The castle's drafty. We have a lot of furniture, and it's drafty, and so you know. And sometimes you just leave paper lying around. So no, this is totally not we're, we're okay. So it's all right. Is that a sketch of me? No, it's one of the villagers. I like to sketch the villagers. 
um, mainly because sometimes they just, they'll just stand there in, in one position, like holding a tomato or uh, trimming a hedge for just like hours. So it's super convenient. Uh, let's see. Ed, Edward Gorey is the author I'm talking about. And two of his books were bought for my kids. Uh, one of them was called The Ga- yeah, the, Ga- the Ghastly Crumb uh, Tinnies. And it's an ABC book, but every letter corresponds to the name of a kid that that dies in some terrible way and there's this really and they're really these these great pictures and so it'll be like one kid may maybe was stabbed or something and there's just a picture of like some guy stranger up there with a kid and he's got a big knife it's terrifying there's no way that my kids are going to get get a chance to look at those for at least another couple of years because they're fairly young but edward gory legitimately thought of himself as a uh, doing kids books like he thought there were kids books he called them nonsense books in fact so that's like right in line with lewis carroll uh oh yeah speaking of alice in wonderland or through the looking glass that's a horror book i don't care what anyone says yeah, yeah. there's no that is not a fan like if you read the story that is not fantasy there's no whimsy of the disney there's none of that is there well there's a little horror in th- other things that lewis carroll did that's like nonsense like um what is it uh the Jabberwocky, that that's pretty pretty creepy. But no, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Edward, Edward Gorey for one second, okay? Because Edward Gorey has an interesting like through line with some horror stuff, which I I think is interesting. So I I, men- I mentioned the uh, uh, ghastly t- crumb uh, tinnies, but he also did one uh, about an evil garden, um, and uh, he wrote it under a pseudonym, which was uh, like. Edward uh, Blutig, which is like German, but it's like bloody or gory. So it's a play on Edward Gorey, which was a real name. Uh, but uh, those are those are great. Those are both terif- genuinely terrifying. They would make terrifying horror stories that you could make, you could do for kids. But the really interesting through line that I wanted to mention was uh, he actually worked on designing the sets and the costumes and productions uh, uh, for... Uh, the Frank Langella Dracula, like the 1977 on the stage, uh, stage production of Dracula, the revival, whatever you want to call it. So he worked on that. Because not a lot of people realized it was a stage play to begin with. Right, it yeah. was a stage. Well, so was the Bella Lugosi one was a stage. Okay, so Bella Lugosi, everybody, you know, probably the most famous dra- uh, person to play Dracula for all time, kind of se- – he literally created the um, – the whole feel of, of, of Dracula, how he's supposed to speak and hold himself and the weird, you know, and, and look at you. Uh, he but, holds himself cause he's lonely at night. right? Yes. <laughs> but, uh, well, not, actually, according to, according to most people, like he was not lonely at night ever. Like he was, women loved him. Like they thought that he made Dracula super sexy. Oh, and Frank Langella too. But, uh, but no, Bella Lugosi did the Broadway uh, production of uh, Dracula in 1932, not the original. That was that one was in uh, London, but he did the uh, Broadway production, and then went and did the movie. So Frank Langella did the same thing. So when you see him in like the Langella version of Dracula, in the 19, I think it's the, I don't remember what what year it was. But someone will, someone will tell us. Someone's screaming right now. Yes. Well, or maybe they don't care. Yeah. Don't this care. is may, maybe a tangent you don't care about. But uh, so Frank Langella uh, Dracula, but. Uh, Edward Gorey specifically did these really creepy ink, black and white and gray ink uh, photos and uh, children's books 
that are if you can get your hands on these they're worth having as adults just because they're just so cool the art's so cool the stories are like the stories and the, the things that are happening that are kind of uh, modeled after your typical um kids books like an abc book or a day in, a day at a zoo or something completely twisted into this like terrifying uh like just like straight up gothic horror uh and then, you know, we'll get on a tangent. I mentioned Frank Langella. I, I just really quick want to tell you something about that I learned, which I, I it's not important to what we're talking about. It's not important to what we're talking about at all. But when Frank Langella left that production, you know, uh, you know who replaced him? Raul Julia fucking Gomez Adams. So uh, that's from us. Awesome. Uh, anyway, that's not important. But so, yeah, I wanted to mention if you can get a hand on, uh, on it, if you can get your hands on them, uh, it's worth collecting some of Edward Gorey's uh, stuff. He's talking about Gomez Adams from the 90s uh, yeah. version. Not, yeah. Of course, not John Aston. No. Which, both great, great performers. Yeah. But of course, if you if you want to collect something of John Aston's, you're going to want uh, some uh, Killer Tomatoes merch. That's probably what you're going to oh, want. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I bet you can find it, and I bet you can find it autographed. Yeah. You know what I just learned? What? I just learned that... Bella Lugosi was famous for being Dracula before he before the movie came out. Yeah, that's true. That's the craziest thing. Yeah, no, it is. That's why he so steadfastly in America he was Dracula, but he he's so because Broadway. That's why he so insistently considered himself to be Dracula. Period. That character that was his. I mean, obviously he couldn't get away from that character, and it, it was horrible for his career, and it typecast him, but. I mean, he was also oddly protective of it. He was buried in a fucking cape, a Dracula cape. I, I don't know. I don't think it was one of the ones from the film, but he was buried in one of his his capes. So that's great. Um, so yeah, we're okay. Uh, little tangent, but we're gonna steer it right back to gateway horror, children's horror, and movies now. Okay. Um, basically, you could take any movie, in my opinion, that has children in it. And you could pretend that that's uh, a children's movie, but it's not. That's not, of course, that's not the case. You know, Children of the Corn is not a children's movie. That's true. It's not meant for children. It's meant to to scare adults because you know it's scary for adults. I, I like children. to think of it as a Linda Hamilton vehicle, but that's fair. Okay. Well, somehow they took a they took like I don't know twenty pages of material and made it out uh, an hour and a half. I don't know. Well, I don't. I think most of the I don't know how the horror community feels about this, but I consider it to be. Later, I, like it being later in life, it's not my favorite Stephen. It doesn't rank very high in my favorite Stephen King films, and I actually sometimes enjoy watching the sequels to Children of the Corn just for how bad some of them are. Uh, like the third one, when you get like the stop motion animation and the puppet, like you got a little doll. It's uh, at the end. It's it's like I don't know. They ran out of money. They had to, but it's uh, it's like if it's right up there with like if Full Moon Entertainment made it direct to video. And then they slashed half their budget or something. Yeah, the direct-to-video horror sequels, man. They 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 they're gems now, in my opinion. Uh, the '90s ones, especially. Uh, what I will say though is, uh, "Children of the Corn" aside, I'm trying to like kind of categorize. Obviously, it should be a movie. I'm going to go ahead and throw one out there that everyone's probably thinking of right now, and we'll get it out of the way. And it's not my favorite gateway horror movie. I think we can. We can both pick up favorite, and we can give some more uh, some more examples if we want to. But Poltergeist is the obvious one. Oh yeah, that's a it's good. it's horror. It's clearly horror. Yeah, but it's got that Steven Spielberg touch to it that, and and it's got the, it's just it it's more of a family type movie. So 
Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's got it has equal parts Toby Hooper and um, and uh, uh, Steven Spielberg for sure. Uh, their fingerprints are both all over that, which is great. That way, that makes a great state, uh, uh, introduction to horror for kids. It makes it a great introduction because it's going to be like, oh look, there's a lot of whimsy in this. Ha! We're having fun. We're sliding across the floor. That's in, that's great. Oh, look, that ghost stacked some chairs. What, they stole a kid? Oh, my God, is that guy peeling his face off? The tree's trying to eat a kid? What the hell's going on? And then your kid has, like, you know, and some then, nightmares or whatever. I know my kid would have nightmares. My kid had nightmares after she saw ants for the first time. <laughs> Not the movie ants for the first time. Literal ants crawling around the ground. She woke up one night and she was like, the ants are coming. I'm like, oh, God. She's prophetic. Yeah. <laughs> and then the ants came. But yeah, I I think uh, Poltergeist is kind of the elephant in the room. It's not my favorite, but I watched it as a kid and it was it really like I enjoyed it and really made the uh I don't know if it's the it's which I get this mixed up. The first one and the second one bleed into each other. Right. All what I really remember cuz it's been a while since I've seen Poltergeist too. Yeah, is that there's just some really weird like um, back and forth, mostly between um, coach, coach, yeah, it's coach, yeah, it's it's a lot of coach improv, yeah, that's right. They smoke a little pot, yeah. Then the ghost hunters show up, and they're like, well, "One time we saw a car move a few inches." Look, here's the thing: we don't need to spoil any of that movie. We don't need to give any plot away, like what happens. That's one of the the tenants, you know, things that we're trying not to do. No spoilers, no spoilers. But that movie is just chock full of horror set pieces, and uh, it's like it's like it's like a the, the, it's like a theme park ride for horror um, fans, where it's it's a, uh, it's a little scary, but it's mostly fun, and so it makes it a really good movie for not young young kids, but a little, kids that are just a little older, you know, that seven or eight range probably. Um, I'm gonna shift in my chair oh, because. It's uh, my foot's falling asleep because I'm sitting on it because it's really cold in the castle. The castle's super cold. I, t- I think I mentioned it. We have some tapestries, but uh, I don't. You know, I apparently they invented insulation for a reason. So, um, yeah, you know what? Uh, it turns out rugs are a good uh, accommodation to any castle floor, and we have none. So we don't have any rugs. It's weird. Unless you count the one that's been like uh, hammered to the ceiling in the library. It's like a bear rug. Um, I don't count uh, ceiling decoration as a rug. I mean, it's still a rug. It's it's, it's not important. Look, that's uh, semantics or whatever. Uh, no, I'd like to point out though that um, I'd like to point out though that uh, if you're mixing up the Poltergeist movies, there's an easy way to remember it. Right, your first one is the one where it's like, oh, they're here. We got it. We got we, you know this. You have the, a lot of horror set pieces, but there doesn't, there isn't really a, an actual bad guy type character, the iconic evil villain. You get that in the second movie. It's the one with the preacher. Ah, uh, yeah, that he made me afraid of the oatmeal man for like I couldn't <laughs> tell the difference between the two. Yeah, that's that makes sense. I like to believe that he's Jared Kushner from the future, acting in a movie. If you if you look at pictures of Jared Kushner and then just pictures of him side by side. You could totally see him morphing into that that uh, the old uh, the old preacher. From We're going to call him the Oatmeal Man from now on. Well, I think he looks more like the Oatmeal Man in the third movie because it's a different it's a different person because the the one guy died. 
In fact, that's the whole thing about Poltergeist is it's supposedly a cursed movie. And so one of the things we love as kids when your mind hasn't really developed enough to start thinking rationally about things like superstitions and and, uh, and curses and things like that, you have – sit your kids down, right? And uh, put on Poltergeist, right? And put on Poltergeist too, And then casually mention that some people died when they were making these movies and that the movie is cursed. And then just be like, okay, it's time for bed. Turn off the TV and just walk out of the room. That's what I would do. Yeah, that's not bad. That's a good idea. First off, I'd like to point out that I don't believe in curses, and it's detrimental to the memories of the actual dead actors. Um, It's not cool to be like, oh, that cursed kid died. You know, that was an unfortunate tragedy. You know, I don't don't put any stock in it. But it is cool to have that as a thing you can say, kind of like with the omen. Although the omen is less appropriate for kids, but you could still, you know, it's hey, it's got a kid in it. It's all for you, Damien. And did you know? Then you look at them. No, no, like, don't don't ruin it. I'm not. No, no. I, I don't have to ruin it. Like, listen, it's all, it's all for you. And then she takes a final bow. That she takes a final bow, and then from then on, you're like, well, I don't know how I'm gonna do. Like, how how do you upstage that birthday? What do you do for the next year? <laughs> Same thing, but a pinata. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's gonna get really graphic. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna need before you jump. We're gonna need to put some candy in your in your chest cavity. Um, does anybody good. got a butter knife? Oh goodness! Oh my god! Pie pie server. All right, back <laughs> on topic. Back on topic. Um, what what were where were we? Mm. We had just talked about how Poltergeist makes a pretty good introduction for kids into horror, right? And I wanted to mention this as an aside. Studies have shown that the part of something. And the reason why you can kind of go hard at children with your horror, like you can, you can, you don't have to, you don't have to sugarcoat it as much as you think, is that what kids find scary at that age, especially around seven to 10, what, what kids, what children find scary differs from, from child to child. So one kid may watch, um, a ghost hunter pulling his face off and think it's fine. And then the part that freaks them out may be a strange, stretchy clown. Yeah, that's pretty creepy. Yeah. But, and, and, and then another kid may have the exact opposite effect. So there's no, and you, so kids are kind of resilient like that. So what he's saying is you need to throw as much at your kids as possible. You, you'll never know if they're afraid of clowns unless, you, unless they watch it. You won't know if they're afraid of, uh, of dogs unless you make them watch Cujo. Uh, in fact, you need, to make, you need to make them watch all of the horror movies you can. The bloodier, more violent, the better, because you need to know what your kids are afraid of. And you, after they watch Pinhead, uh, you know, uh, come out and say that's a waste of good suffering, and some guy gets ripped apart by some sort of spinning uh, uh, post with uh, chains on it, you can be like, "Were you terrified by that, uh, little Lisa?" And she'll be like, "Yeah," and you'll be like, "Well, I wouldn't have known that if we hadn't watched it." <laughs> yeah. You don't know where the line is. You, until you don't you step line. over it. Yeah, you gotta step over the line. So uh, you know what? Don't uh, don't take this advice for uh, raising your kids. You know what? You're gonna raise your kids however you want to raise them. That's that's fine. Don't don't right. necessarily take this advice. So what's an example of a a movie you you like that is kind of a gateway horror movie? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two. I'm gonna give you two, and they're right along line with the same sort of feeling. I think it's a tonal thing. It's the same thing you're gonna get with uh, with Poltergeist, which is, um, you know, it kind of there's some moments which are genuinely scary. And there's some moments which are lighter, much lighter. Uh, the first one I'm going to throw out there is Gremlins. That seems like an obvious way to go with, you know, another. Uh, there's people that don't even count it as a horror movie. But I say um, 
well, without getting into spoilers, I, I say the 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 fireplace was was lit and there is actual death in it. If I'm not mistaken. yeah, well, here's what I would say. I would say that Gremlins may not be straight up horror, but if you're talking about gateway horror, to stuff we're talking about right now, Dan, you you know, get your kids into horror. Um, I think uh, I think it's I think you find it'd be, I could I I would love to see someone try to convince me. Or argue against the fact that it's a good introduction into horror. So, so Gremlins, I think, is an obvious one. And then the other one is Tremors. Oh, yeah. Tremors is great. Tremors is great because it's like, it's a, mostly takes place during the day. It's really light in tone for most of it. It's got, it's really got more of an adventure type feel to it. The music, the score is more like that. But you got these terrifying moments. Like, the guy, when they find the, the dead guy on top of the uh, telephone pole. When they uh, when they find I'm going to get into spoilers, aren't I? He's going to be like when they find the dead guy here. When they find the dead guy under a hat. When they find the dead guy. When they find the car. When they find the car. When they find the, the just the just the light of the car under the ground. You know, so uh, I don't want to get into spoilers, but but the, but then the first time you watch Tremors, because we're just going to take a quick little saunter over to this subject, because I, I feel like it. The first time you watch Tremors is truly amazing. Because there's an actual twist in it, and you don't you don't get the twist until, and you don't even think of it as a twist anymore because you're so you've seen the movie so many times. Yeah, that's true. But it's it's a brilliant little twist just just uh just right at when things start amping up and and it you get into the um into the uh, kind of like hostage yeah s- it's scenario. It, it, I'll tell without spoiling anything. The movie is going to show you something about, and I'll go ahead and give you the premise. There's something underground, and it's pulling people down and and eating them, right? Um, but the movie is going to t- give you some information and tell you that there that you know, convince you that you kind of know what's going on, and then it's going to kind of change lanes, and you're going to be like, oh wow, that's way worse than I thought it was. And so without spoiling anything, and I'm sure most people have seen Tremors, um, but if you haven't seen Tremors, you know, it's it's worth watching. What I was saying, though, is the light tone. So you have those terrifying moments with somebody might be, blood, you know, some go- little gore and someone's uh, pulled down under the ground, which is kind of terrifying in general. Like, let your kids watch Tremors and then be like, let's walk through that field. And then as you're walking, say, do you feel that? I feel a vibration. Don't step in that hole. Running only makes it worse. Why are you running? Don't run. Stop running. You know. Um, but then, uh, but then you have moments like the lighter moments, like with the pogo stick, with the girl bouncing on the pogo stick, and you know where, uh, or the you know where like they get the one the one woman gets thrown out the window and then climbs back up. It's just there's a there's a lot of tension. It's immediately relieved, and you don't you don't you know you have those lighter, less uh, less horror. Specific. And you can ob- – I don't know that Tremors is a horror movie at all because it definitely has elements of a horror movie. But it, it's almost more like a horror comedy um, and it's really more almost like an, an actual action adventure. Because like if you think about it, yes, it's it, – it's, uh, it, people are dying. But people are dying in Predator. And if, do you consider Predator to be a straight-up horror movie? I, I don't. No. Actually – think the second one's more of a horror movie even though it's somehow less plausible in some scenarios yeah i think i think you can make an argument uh well the point is is you know those those types of movies are perfect 
movies that if you're, if you're looking at it and you're like, well, there's some scary stuff in this for a kid maybe or some things that might be a little – not necessarily scary, but it might be like a good introduction into, into some scary uh, scenarios for – you know, and kids might enjoy. Um, but then you're like, it's also just kind of uh, – the tone of the movie is real light so that you know, it's not really trying to scare the shit out of your kids. That's a good way to go. Uh, but we're talking, okay, so we're talking about children's horror. That's a gateway horror. Is there anything else you can think of? Yeah, I think, and I really believe this. I don't know if it's appropriate for every child, but I think it is, it fits the scenario because it has a goofiness to it. The gate. Oh, the gate. Yeah, absolutely. And something, just something about that, that claymation. It's, <laughs> it, that's kind of horrifying, but at the same time, yeah. it's not super scary. You know, there's not like there's a lot of horrifying things in that movie, but it's not super scary. You know what? If you're a member of the horror community, you consider yourself like part of the horror family. I, You know, it's your responsibility to raise your kids right. So you need to go out and get some sort of collection of horror movies that you can just watch with your kids. And uh, and I think that's a perfectly good one. The Gate is a is a is a movie that would not really scare an adult. Has some creepy or interesting moments like that that might scare a kid a little bit, but uh, the main protagonists are kids. That's one of the things that people like. Like when you're talking about a movie, if the main character is a kid, normally, not always, normally that means it's geared towards kids, or at least kids can kind of put themselves in their shoes of the main character, which means they'll get more enjoyment out of it. So finding horror movies where kids are like the main character. And then things that are horror adjacent that have horror elements. So like Monster Squad would be a fantastic thing. Yeah, I think that's not fair. a horror movie. I yeah, mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't count it as a it's a, it's a really strange and hard movie to define it. Yeah, not a horror movie, although it's using it It's a love letter to Universal. Yeah, it's a love le, love letter to the Universal Monster movies, um, and the monster fan clubs, uh, you know, the you know, put in your order, get in the monster model, paint it, build it, that kind of thing. So so, but it would be a, a good movie too. But so, yeah. So the point is, just find any movie that you think your kid can handle, and or it doesn't even have to be your kid. You know, I'm not saying go out there and start yeah, populating go, the earth go because out there you want to show people. Go some out there movies. and find other people's kids, and then you know. No, no, hold on. <laughs> collect them, and you know, put a viewing party together and show them. I don't know. Show them something like uh, what's a good another good one. Uh, we did Gate. We talked about Gate. That was good. Oh, show them Trolls, too. There's nothing scary about that movie. Yeah, that's fair. Main character's a kid. Yeah, you could get... Um, Definitely meant to be a horror film. You could... Uh, you could. You can be the, the cool uh, uncle or aunt. You can be the... You can be that person. You can just be the um, big sister, big brother of America type, you know? And yeah. as long as, you know, you check with their parents first on that one. Because when you're the parent, you get to make those decisions. When you're not the parent, you probably want to ask first. But yeah, find some. I don't think I don't think anybody asked my parents. My cousin didn't ask my parents if we wanted to watch. Uh, it was a different the Exor- time. The Exorcist. It was a different time. That's true. You get you still get a backhand back then. Yeah. You know, it was a there's a lot going on. Blossom was on television. You got you got slapped occasionally. You know, it was good times. It was terrible. It's terrible times. Okay. Nostalgia wise, though, great. Oh yeah, look at looking through a lens, you know. All right, so anything else to add? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. So did we accom- have we accomplished anything? Do we ever accomplish anything? 
very little is ever accomplished. I think we like hearing ourselves talk. I think that's that's I take pride in that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? We almost glossed right over it because we mentioned Monster Squad. It's I think it's obvious that the Universal Monster movies are the I watched Universal I would go to the video store and rent a Universal Monster movie. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, uh, uh, Dracula, uh, the Invisible Man, something like that. We would rent those on VHS and on the weekends, and we would uh, we'd watch those with our dad. Yep. And that is, one, it's a great way to introduce your kids to something that's scary to maybe a five-year-old. Yeah, it was terrifying to full-grown adults back in the 1930s. <laughs> but, you know, so much is we're so jaded or we're so desensitized by that type of horror the idea of some sort of monster. Uh, still good horror. Still great horror. The Wolfman, specifically uh, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, you know. Yeah. And our dad showed us those movies. And his father showed him those movies. Yeah. Because he's not he's not open. And I, I, showed my, I showed my daughter Wolfman. She loved Wolfman. Yeah. Yeah, so... Of course, she's at that age, though. If you watch something with her, you're, you better get used to that concept of watching it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Speaking of which, her favorite, one of her favorite things to watch over and over and over again right now is uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, which absolutely is a good introduction to horror for kids because they're very, they're, you know, it's the tone and all that. But, you know, they're talking about like, uh, you know, mentioning severed heads and uh, things like that. Absolutely, no one's dead. Things like that. So the, the concept of the concept of witches and the boogeyman and right. things under your bed. Really, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. And two faced politicians. And two faced, which really, if you can, if you can help your kid understand that the, that the real monster is the two faced politician. You know, he's the least dangerous person in that movie, which is probably why it's fiction. But, but if you can do that for your kid, yeah. Every time you watch Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you should be like, you know, this really, really, it's about the duality of men, but specifically politicians. They're all monsters. All right. Well, I think that'll do it. Uh, we got a while till the sun comes up, but we're going to call it here. Yeah, it's a good idea to go ahead and call it. One, it, 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 didn't, it tends to drop into the negatives uh, once it gets too late here and uh, the sun's low on the horizon. And two, uh, we have a whole, I have a whole nighttime routine where I need to get to the uh, loft in the uh, tower so that I can board up uh, everything in case some of the villagers try to scale the tower again. It's happened once or twice. Usually they just hurt themselves. Yeah. I feel bad for them. I'd feel bad for them, but, they, but, but then I see them the next day and they seem fine. 